Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane Lance, to wrap up this series in the book of Philippians. Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael Lance. I'm here with Pastor Shane Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We have a special broadcast today as we wrap up the book of Philippians. The whole series, when we first launched this, actually as a church uh, teaching, we called it the mind or the attitude of Christ. And I think you can see, if you've been with us through most of the series or all of the series, that really the center point of the book is having this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the amazing Carmen Christie that we went through, the hymn to Christ as to God, um, such beautiful Christology, so many beautiful applications, uh, so much to talk about here as we wrap up the book. Let me take a moment to welcome you and also to welcome Pastor Shane Lance uh, to the studio. Welcome back, Shane. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to have you. So we are wrapping up the book of Philippians, and I thought what I'd do is maybe toss it to you to lead the way on some of the questions. And I know you have some thoughts about the book, too, because you've taught through the book as well uh, in some different Bible studies. So let's talk about the book of Philippians. Maybe you can lead the way, Pastor Shane. Yeah, well, uh, obviously, I think a lot of people know uh, maybe certain scriptures from this book. Um, you know, there's some famous scriptures in Philippians and um you know, we have uh, different books that we teach. We teach, you know, verse by verse through the Bible. I guess uh, one question that maybe someone who's been tracking with you through this study might have, Pastor Michael, is what has, you know, you've given a lot of application in the midst of your sermons and um, you've given a lot of practical examples and such, but what has studying the book of Philippians meant to you personally? Well, First of all, I'd like to say, Pastor Shane, that every time I study a book, whatever the book may be, it it's always powerful, always life-changing, because the Word of God is living and powerful, right? So we know that it does its work in those who believe. That's First Thessalonians, I think, two, chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible does its work, and when you teach the Bible, uh, this is the beauty about being a teacher— is you get to prepare and the Lord shows you things, teaches you things that then you can pass along to God's people. So uh, specifically thinking about the uh, book of Philippians, I will say uh, the theme, have this attitude in you, the attitude of Christ is huge. Um, one of the biggest sections that jumped out at me and I, and I recently, this aired on the radio and I, and I said that it would be, I believe, revolutionary to people was that them looking for the best in others. And it followed the passage of being anxious for nothing and praying and so forth. But then getting into whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble. And I made a discovery as I was studying this, uh, Shane, that I I believed in context, uh, whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble, whatever's pure, could be largely applied to people and not just circumstances. Right. And I was thinking of the the um, battle disagreement between Euodia and Suntuke in Philippians 4, 2, and 3. And the letter has kind of been leading up to that, that there's this uh, disagreement between these two ladies who have fought for the gospel, been by Paul's side, 
and Paul is heartbroken over it. And so the the Bible speaks right to the situation, and specifically one transformative thing for me, and I hope that the uh, our listening family grabbed a hold of it, is looking for the best in people, finding what's good, what's true, what's honorable, and letting your mind dwell on that instead of the weaknesses and shortcomings of others. And and I can't say that you, just because I made it a theological or practical discovery that I've been great at it, but it has made me think more about that. And I will say this, Shane, and you know, you are my son, one of my three sons, so I think you know me pretty well. I do tend to see the best in people. I think that's something that the Lord's given me. Um, yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, I see a lot of us, we just struggle with how we see others, um, you know, sometimes we can be critical and nitpicky and um, that that can foster anxiety and divisions in the church. And so this uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Philippians 4, um, right around ver- verses 8 through 13, but specifically verses 8 and 9 and looking for whatever is praiseworthy, whatever you can find that's good. I'm not saying it means you're naive. I don't think the Bible's teaching to be naive or not to address concerns, but generally speaking, if you want to be a content person, you have to have a mindset. Christ always looked for the best in others. Uh, he, he pointed out sin, but of course he was so gracious. Um, putting others above ourselves. I mean, this is all the big push in Philippians 2 and Philippians 4. So that's one major thing I would say I, I learned from the book. Yeah, that's good. I, I think that um, something you said is key is that these issues aren't you know new, and that's something that sticks out to me about this, you know, specifically chapter 4, which is where we've just been recently in this series. And the idea that people's problems and division in the church and quarrels amongst believers is not a new thing. (laughs) In fact, as you continue to study the Bible, you realize that there's really nothing new. Um, It just takes on maybe different forms, but uh, the sin of man is the same. And, uh, you know, when you look at chapter four and you see this quarrel in the church and you see this division that's stirring, it, it speaks volumes because here's the Apostle Paul um, he's writing. Um, they've, the church is seeing the extraordinary works of the Lord. Um, this is not very far removed from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet the church is divided <laughs> and getting into petty arguments. And so it's encouraging to us as the modern church because it reminds us that <laughs> uh, we can we can work through these things. And I do love uh, Paul's approach as he writes all these different letters and epistles because he oftentimes encourages the church, reminds them that, you know, to bring them back to the focus of what their pursuits are and why they exist. And then he addresses issues head on, though. He doesn't right. dance around the issues. Yeah. And, and this has been called, as you know, an epistle of joy, a letter of joy. But one of the joy stealers in life is division. Yeah. I mean, the enemy is a divider. The church should be different. I mean, we, we've been born again of the Holy Spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, uh, is, you know, covers a multitude of sins and, uh, all of our frailties. And yet we, we do know that we have the battle with the flesh and so forth. And I love what you said. You know, Philippians, you don't really think about Philippians this way typically. 
uh, if you're just kind of a general uh, person who's read it a couple times, is that it is really centering on um, having this kind of attitude and it can really counter anxiety. It can counter division. It can love can um, boot the enemy. Uh, he he will have less opportunities when love, true biblical love, is being practiced. So this is this is a huge thing. And and I would just say this because we have a pretty wide listening family. Uh, I'm sure there's probably pastors and church leaders listening. And I would just say if you've been a little bit maybe bummed, uh, hurt lately, maybe something has gone awry in a in a fellowship that you you know, you have a leadership capacity. And I would just say that maybe teach through Philippians, maybe walk through Philippians yourself. I think it can be a balm, a healing balm for many who are out there. Yeah. And I would just encourage those who are listening and they might be struggling with being discouraged or feeling anxious. Um, You're not crazy. Ministry can be difficult. Being a Christian is difficult. In fact, our Lord promised that we were going to face much adversity. And so I would just encourage you that if you are feeling weary today, that you would just continue to press on towards the upward call of Christ and to not give in to the temptation to be overcome. In fact, our Lord said to hold on because he's already overcome. And so if you're feeling discouraged and uh, you know, you're feeling weak today. Uh, take comfort to know that uh, the early church was struggling with the same exact issues, uh, trying to pursue Christ in the midst of our our wickedness and our sinfulness that can just creep up. And we can, in one moment, I think of James. James says, in one moment, we can be praising the Lord, and then the next, at the same yes. tongue, we can be cursing man who's made in his image. Yes. And James says these sobering words, brothers, my brothers, this ought not to be. And so... You know, I would encourage if you're a church leader and maybe your church is going through a difficult spot where there's division or there's uh, quarrels, maybe it's not even with your church family, it's your immediate family. It could be, um, you know, relationships that you have on a personal level that you would you would seek uh, to find reconciliation and um, that you would make those things as known to the Lord in prayer and let him heal those situations. So, you know. And, and Shane, I was thinking too. Let this attitude be in you. So yeah. the you, I mean, we, we can always think of other people, but we, we it's got to start with us. There's a book that came out called The Love Dare, and it was trying to really direct uh, the healing of marriages. And The Love Dare was you just do it despite what you get back from your spouse. You just, you dare to love this way. And I think that's what Philippians 2 is actually teaching, that Christ set the example. He didn't base what he did on what he got back from people. He set the tone. Right. And um, that that's really the call of those who belong to Jesus, is to have that same attitude, that same mindset. Now, it's not an easy one, of course. Uh, the Christian life is not easy, but by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, which is actually Philippians four right. thirteen. And there's one of those famous verses I was referring to <laughs> earlier, and we we know there's a context for that verse, and that's key. Uh, you know, and just back to you what mean you were it's just not saying. about how far you can throw a football. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but you know, anyway, uh, I, I I just was thinking though, what you just said is something so important that Jesus set the example of what true love looks like, and true love is is unconditional, and that means that. 
I thank God that, that Jesus didn't base how he would love on what he'd get in return or you and I would not have salvation. So, Amen. Amen. Um, you know, moving moving forward now, uh, hey, we just want to thank you if you've been listening to Walk in Truth and you've been following along through the study in Philippians since the first week of July, actually. And uh, as we're getting close to wrapping up now, we're having a chance to ask Pastor Michael some of his thoughts on teaching the book and maybe some final application points. So we've just asked him uh, what it meant to him to study the book, and that was great. Uh, you know, I have another question for you. Is there something, maybe this is kind of along the same lines, but um, to kind of expound, is there something maybe, you know, and you've been teaching the Bible for a long time, but something that might have stuck out to you, uh, something that was, you know, and the Lord has his way of doing this. We can read the same book or teach the same book dozens of times and learn new insights from his word because it is uh, just an unending source of uh, wisdom and knowledge. And so is there something that you have learned from this book um, this time around? Well, I would say, you know, something that sticks out in my mind is the famous passage about being anxious for nothing. Um, An image came to my mind, and I think it happened even as I was preaching the text. And it was this idea of a funnel, but rather than stuff going down through a funnel, it would go up to God. And I was thinking a way to capture, you know, what does it look like when someone turns what may be an anxious thought into worship? How how do you actually practically do that? And I was thinking, rather than letting things come down, if you imagine a funnel into your soul, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? Fear of the future, fear of this, fear of failure. You started funneling things up to God. And you might say something like this, Lord, I'm very tempted to let this overwhelm me and be anxious, but instead of that, I'm going to give this to you. You know, this is a potentially stumbling, potential stumbling block for me. I tend to worry about this or I'm concerned about this person. And if you can formulate it into a prayer instead of a worry, worship instead of worry. So this is not so much an insight as it is an image, I think, that I would say, Pastor Shane. And and it is as much as possible, try to funnel things that you would tend to worry about into prayers, reformulate them into prayers. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think even beyond that, too, uh, maybe a question that you could ask yourself when you are facing things that worry you is where do you turn first? Um, I see Jesus exemplify this. Uh, we talked about this recently on one of our um, episodes and um, Jesus exemplified that when he was worried or uh, could feel anxiety welling up, he took it to his heavenly father first. And I do wonder if maybe we as Christians sometimes actually make our our anxious situations, the anxieties that we're facing, the worries that we have, maybe we, maybe we make them worse because I think sometimes with good intentions, we take them to other people, but then in the midst of discussing those things further and hashing it out, I think there's a time to, of course there's a time, um, even biblically speaking, to take your worries to brothers and sisters and um, to share and to you know, have those who keep you accountable, those who pray with you and walk through things with you. But I wonder if maybe some of the things that we worry about and the anxieties that we face, if they would dissipate much at a much more efficient rate if we first and foremost took our anxieties to the Lord. And Shane, now this is a theological truth that I think we can stand on, and it piggybacks on exactly what you said. 
the promise in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is when you do what we're talking about, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was chained to a Roman guard, chained every, I think, four to six hours. And so he could kind of study the guards. He he knew there were certain guards that uh, specifically had the responsibility of guarding the Caesar of the time. And Paul uses that kind of imagery to say that the Lord promises a guard at your heart. Um, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, would guard your heart and your mind. And, and look, this is where the battle is, right? Yeah. It's the battle of the will. It's the battle of the bind. And there's a promise when you do what the Bible says, a promise of peace, which is so beautiful. It's what's. I think the whole world's looking for the yeah. whole world is longing for a peace that passes understanding and it is ours in Christ Jesus. If we simply will do what the Bible says. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's a uh, epidemic in our culture. Um, I can't tell you how many uh, people I love and care for who are struggling right now with their mental well-being and um, their emotional health and, I really do believe strongly that um, all of these things, they do ultimately come back to our spiritual health. And if we have an outlet, and that is the Lord, that we can take our struggles to, we can take our worries and our anxieties. And, you know, Paul says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And I remember listening to a sermon not that long ago. I taught on that passage and... <laughs> Uh, I remember listening to a sermon not that long ago, and I taught on that passage. And I remember the pastor I was listening to, I believe it was Alistair Begg, actually, and he said um, the picture of the original language here is like a schoolboy that comes home on a Friday afternoon, and he throws his backpack on the floor and or on the couch. And uh, he said the idea is that he knows he doesn't have to come back to that until Monday. And it's <laughs> like there's this relief that mm. I don't need that anymore. And on yes. a much greater scale— um, when we take our anxieties and our cares and we cast them before the Lord, we never need to go back to them. And that, I want to also say that if you are listening to this and you are someone who takes your anxieties regularly to the Lord in prayer and you still feel anxious, don't be discouraged. Um, we just talked about this in one of our previous episodes, but the reality is that some of us might struggle with anxiety until the day we enter into eternity. But you can find comfort and, like Pastor Michael said, a peace, Scripture defines it, that surpasses understanding. Amen. And you took us uh, just a moment ago to First Peter 5, 7. Um, cast all your cares right. to him because he cares for you. And, and I was thinking of Peter and thinking about one of the, uh, those who study these things say one of the major sources of anxiety is a fear of failure. So if someone knew failure, it was Peter, right? He right. Pr- he said, Lord, even if everybody else bails on you, I will die for you. And that night he denied him three times. The rooster crowed. Peter knew what failure was. He he got out of the boat. He walked on the water. But, of course, he started to sink. Um, you know, Peter, we, we sometimes joke that he suffered from, you know, hoof and mouth disease, that yeah. he got himself in trouble. But he loved the Lord. But you think about a major failure. You know, sometimes, Shane, we, we go back. I do this. You go back and revisit a time maybe when you blew it, right? And maybe you blew it royally. I mean, think of Peter. He... He was with Jesus three, three and a half years. He loved him. He ultimately, you know, his whole life was transformed. But that 
fateful night. He could revisit that the rest of his days. Right. But he told us we could cast all of our cares to the Lord because he cares for us. And we know that the Lord restored Peter on the on the seashore and um, that that beautiful restoration. So, so I think what you're saying is it goes right to the heart of some of the major themes of Philippians, uh, like like anxiety. Yeah, okay, you failed. We all have. I'm not minimizing it, brother or sister. I'm just saying you can even cast that that hurt to the Lord uh, and leave it at His feet. Throw the backpack, as Shane used that illustration and leave it there because that was dealt with at the cross and you could move forward. You don't have to look behind anymore. You can press on, which is Philippians three, twelve through 14. You can keep pressing forward. So I, I think those are some wonderful thoughts. Hey, this is Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael Lance here with Pastor Shane Lance. We have Nathan Lance, one of my other sons, who's running the board today. Thank you, Nate. And uh, we are transitioning now from the study in Philippians, which has been a wonderful study. You can tell that we could probably talk for two hours on Philippians, but we're moving to another P book, and that is Philemon. And it's not a well-known book, but it's a short one-chapter letter with the backdrop, uh, a, a very interesting backdrop of a runaway slave. And a big theme is refreshment. So I'm going to pitch this over to Pastor Shane you did three messages in church on this. This will be a little bit more on the radio. Give us kind of wet our whistle on what you were after, some big themes from Philemon and what people can expect as these broadcast air. Yeah, well, um, I remember we were discussing a book to go to for our midweek service, and a few nights before we had had that conversation, um, I had been just in my own you know, time of devotion. I, I just decided to go to Philemon. I, I don't know why. Uh, it was just a book I hadn't read in a while. And as I was reading it, I was like, wow, this is really good. Um, because it just, the application from this little story, this little personal letter that, that Paul writes to his friend Philemon, or, uh, you know, as the, the way we're supposed to say it, I guess, is Philemon. But um, Philemon is uh, this, you know, well-to-do citizen in Colossae, and um, he's got this home church, and there's this slave that he had that ran away, and we don't know exactly what happened, but there's there's a lot of opportunity for forgiveness. And so Paul intercedes, who has come upon Onesimus, this runaway slave, and um, Onesimus actually becomes, what we can tell, a, a believer in the message of Christ Jesus, and is actually assisting Paul, uh, who we believe at this time, at, as the letter is being written, is on uh, house arrest in Rome. And so as I read through this short, I think it's 21 or 22 verses, the short letter, um, it's the most personal letter in the New Testament. It's also the shortest letter in the New Testament. And there was so much depth to it. And so um, it just really struck me and I, I felt like it would be good for our church. Yeah. And it's going to be great for our listening audience too. And, and I think somebody has called at least one of the verses in Philemon. Philemon, the gospel in miniature. Mm -hmm. And so the gospel is really going to shine through. And you did a tremendous job, Shane, in setting it up, giving us historical background, walking us through it. So we're, we're running out of time here. Just maybe one thing that you would say, hey, tell a friend, because this is what you're going to, at least one thing you're going to get out of this teaching. Well, I would say this. If you are struggling to forgive, 
this is a good book for you. Um, <laughs> and I think that theme is just going to continue. Uh, Paul really just exemplifies um, and reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. It is most certainly the gospel in miniature because it's going to remind us of the great forgiveness that's been poured out on us and why we're supposed to live as a people who quickly forgive and forget the wrongs people have committed against us. I, I, I have it kind of ringing in my soul. Charge it to my account. Yeah. Charge it to my account. Well, this Walk in Truth is Pastor Michael Lance with Pastor Shane Lance. We've been talking a little bit about what's coming up. We uh, looked back on the Philippian study, looking forward to the Philemon series just about to air here on Walk in Truth. Hey, thanks for listening to this special broadcast. Looking forward to airing the book of Philemon for you. Remember, you can always reach out to us through the website, walkintruth.com. We will catch you right here next time. We love you. God bless. Remember, if you missed any message in our Philippians teaching series, you can go back and listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. As you know, we love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the rest of us here a letter. We love to get mail, so you can get all that contact information on walkintruth.com. Or if you're ready now, here's the email address. It's contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, you can write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 1 through 7, called Refreshing the Saints. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.